podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. It's funny because obviously um, I'm, in, I'm in Lima, Peru, but uh, it's all in Spanish and our church is in Spanish. But this feels exactly like home. I feel like I'm, I am in my, my church. In fact, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, I haven't, I haven't met, uh, Pastor Randy. I met pa- Pastor Reed this morning, but I haven't met Pastor Randy, but I feel like I know him. It's so funny because, uh, I know when you see, when you see where, where someone's heart is and what that's become, you can tell who a person is. And I, I see this and I know, I know your pastors and actually I, I, I'm falling in love with them. Um, through knowing Nick, um, it, it's so funny how God puts people together. I, I've known Nick maybe maybe two months, something like that, and uh, we're in, we're in a conference together in, in 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 Birmingham, Alabama. Met through a mutual friend, having dinner, and just really c- kind of connected. Uh, but we had a, a random fishing trip together this last week with Lance, and and we're just talking and just just is. This was already planned, but we're just talking, kind of catching up, and what's this, and what's that, and it's so funny, because you were there, I mean, I would go, no, that's my dad, and, and Nick would go, no, 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 my dad is like this, and I'm like, that's exactly what my dad does, and your dad does that too, and we're like, just tripping, like, this is really weird, and then I would say something, he goes, I say that all the time, I'm like, no, you don't, I am, I say that all the time, like little girls, right, like, it was it's, it's, it's kind of awkward. If, if Lance wouldn't have been there, it would have been like a really weird date, you know, but Lance made it all right, you know, and so thank you that for being there. It could have been really awkward, you know, beyond. Yeah, but uh, so I feel like, I feel like uh, uh, already, I'm already a part of this church in a kingdom way and that our hearts are attached. And... Um, I can't wait. I, I told Nick yesterday, I can't wait to see what this is uh, in, in relationship and friendship 20, 30 years from now. I can't wait to see how, how what, what God has in store, uh, not only for our friendship, but for this church. You know, uh, it's interesting. I, part, part of my job is I get to travel the world and see churches and study churches. And this is not normal. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> this, is not a, not a, this is not a common church. This is, this is a magnificent church. Um, and I, 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 I really believe this. And I know it can sound kind of cliche. No, you say that everywhere you go. No, I don't say this everywhere I go. But a, a lot's going to come from this church. And, uh, and God doesn't do things to keep them somewhere. He definitely he, he, he expands it in, in, in ways that we cannot imagine. So um, uh, you, you'll get to heaven and you'll see on your list of what's accredited to you. And you'll be like, I never did that. No, but your church has done it. And you're a part of this church. And you'll see uh, the blessings going out forth from here. It's, I, I love it. So you're part of a good thing. So um, so I know the question in your mind right now is, is Nick said he's from Peru. He does not look Peruvian, right? Right? Obviously, I'm a big, tall gringo. Um, I, I was born in San Diego. Uh, I, I claim San Diego as, as where I'm from. 
Uh, I, but I grew up in Lima, Peru. The, the, the only, I love San Diego. I think it's beautiful. The only bummer about San Diego is that our sports teams suck. Um, so I'm a Chargers fan, and it's horrible. And I, I mean, it's just every year it's heart, heartbreaking. I'm not even going to mention the Padres. Um, but uh, so my parents took me to Peru when I was two years old. I like to say that I went there as a missionary, but they really took me against my will. I had no options in it, and it's, it's been home ever since then. And that was uh, 34, 34 years ago, my parents took me. And I'm so glad that uh, I was raised in that country. If you, uh, if you are what you eat, uh, I am completely Peruvian. Soy más peruano que la papa misma. I mean, I'm super Peruvian, man. Um, the fun thing is, because it's, it's, it's our life and we're going to be there forever, uh, my wife's Peruvian. Uh, we've we've uh, created two wonderful little girls. I got some pictures to show you to prove it. Uh, the first picture is of Sayla. She's our, our four-year-old. And that's her standard face. I mean, that's her all the time. She's a riot. Uh, our, our, my oldest is Misha. She's six. And uh, li- literally, um, she has not wrapped around my fingers. Like yesterday, she sent me these texts. And it was like, I love you. Like a voice text, you know, um, she kind of hacks my wife's phone and just sends me messages. And, and I am the whole time like, oh, what do you want, baby? You can have it all. Uh, the next picture is my wife and my two daughters together. Um, as you can see, my daughters got, got, got their looks from me. And the reason is my wife still has hers, you know, I love that gave her mine. So, um, next picture is my wife and I, and I, I just, I, I'm just bragging now. I, I just know, I know that. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Those lips are mine. Just, just, just put it away. Now I can put the picture away. But um, give me some credibility that uh, actually there's something. Be- this is, is, I'm good. I'm good. Now you ready to hear the word? Yeah? Let's do this. Open the Bible. Open your Bible in 1 Kings. 1 Kings uh, chapter 11. And we're going to start uh, in verse 29. Let me give you, let me get you up to speed on this. Here we have uh, King Solomon, and it's the end of his career, the end of his life, and it's actually not good. You know, we've always heard of King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, um, probably the richest man to ever exist, and he was a stud. He uh, accumulated and wrote many of the Proverbs. Uh, you have uh, just so much wisdom and, and just wealth of knowledge that comes from him. So we always like, oh, yeah, King Solomon. But the end of his life wasn't so stellar. He wasn't that great at the end. And, and here's the account of, of how God made it public that he was going to take Solomon's kingdom away from Solomon. And so you have Jeroboam, the one who would take the kingdom as God ordained it. And uh, it's a really, really curious um, way it was delivered. And, and so 1 Kings 11, 29, it starts this way. One day, as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah uh, from Shiloh met him along the way. Ahijah was wearing a new cloak. That's very important. Uh, the two of them were alone in the field, and Ahijah took a hold of the new cloak that he was wearing and he tore it into 12 pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 of these pieces, four 
This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and give you the ten of the tribes. We know that Israel was com- comprised of 12 tribes. So uh, what's, what's shocking, apart, uh, I'm kind of ADD, so I, 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 when I read the Bible, I'm very, I imagine it. What's shocking is how much drama is right there, right? It's so much drama. Can you imagine that scene in a mall? So I'm walking around with, with Nick in the mall, and we're just hanging, you know, sipping our lattes. And, and all of a sudden, I go, Nick, stop. I rip my shirt open and go, Nick, the Lord says. That. Can you imagine that scene? It's just funny. Uh, nothing to do with my message, but that just, it's funny. It's just, God, had, God has some flair, you know? It's a lot of flair. But, it, but what, what gets me is, why, why does God have to intervene in this manner? Right? Like, like we know the story when he was young. Um, he received the kingdom from his dad, David, and he, and Solomon prayed, God, give me wisdom, uh, to be able to, to, to lead your nation. And God says, Oh, wow, I'm so pleased with what you did. And I'm going to give you wisdom, but not that, but riches. You are my man. I got your back. We are in this. Let's do this. And Solomon just is a stud. He's flourishing everywhere he goes. But then we see the end of his life and it's not so good. What happened? Right? Because I'm looking at my life and I'm not, not as good as Solomon, but I want to I wanna have a good ending to my life. How, how, what, what, what went wrong? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Now, um, I, I, I truly believe that the Word of God is for our edification. It's to build us up, not tear us down. So today's message, believe it or not, is going to be very hopeful. <laughs> it's going to be full of grace and full of, of God's purpose. I, I, I truly believe we're going to leave here encouraged and, uh, and, 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 and with the sense of what God has for us. And maybe not all the answers will be, will be will given today, but um, I think God's going to touch our hearts this morning. Amen. You ready? Can we pray to start the message? Yeah. All right. Dear Lord, here we are. Uh, thank you. We put ourselves in a posture of, um, of being vulnerable, of uh, listening to, 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 the, to the word. And we, we know that the word does the work in our hearts. God, we open our hearts, open our souls so that the word can come in. And as a seed and good ground, uh, may, it, may it grow and, and bear fruit. Lord, um, talk to us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, it's, it's fun growing up in, uh, in Peru. I have, I have a ton of funny, 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 like cross-cultural stories. And uh, when we moved there, obviously I was two and a half, almost three. And uh, the, the, the host church that we worked with in the beginning, they put us into a, a, a huge apartment complex. Um, it was like... Uh, we lived on the 17th story. I think it was like 24, 24 stories. For Peru, that was huge back then. And I remember, all I can remember is we had no money to buy any kind of furniture. So we had no furniture, just wood floor and nothing else. Our beds were on the ground, and that was for years. Finally, we bought, a, I might have been like, like four. We bought a sofa, and that's it. It was a, so it was a sofa in the living room, and we'd run around. And I would always climb the sofa and look out the window and uh, and stare at the cars go by forever. 
Now, my parents tell me now, I have no recollection of it, but they tell me that when I was very young, uh, I couldn't pronounce really well. Uh, I'm a little better now, not, not too much better, but, and, sp- and so I love trucks. I, and I would go, every time I see a truck, I go, truck, daddy, truck, 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 daddy, mommy, mommy, daddy, truck, truck. But the thing is, I couldn't pronounce my T and my R, and I would say F instead. Just, and that's a, one day we had a guest over at our house, and my dad is, I'm just going off on the truck, and my dad's like, he is not saying that. He is not. Please, please, he's saying trucks. He's saying trucks, trucks, trucks. That's funny. A few years later, um, I, I remember this vividly. My sister and I are in our bedroom. We shared a room, and we're playing together. And uh, I have a bright idea of playing uh, fireman and victim, right? And so I tell my sister, hey, Jenna, she's, um, I, I was five and she was four. And, and hey, Jenna, um, what do you say that, that, that you are caught in a fire and, and I'll come rescue you? She goes, yeah, let's do that. Woo-hoo. And I'm like, yeah. And so you go to the window and you, and you look out the window and you start screaming fire like this. Fire! 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 And I'll come in and I'll save you. Yeah! So she goes to the chair. Um, and she climbs up the chair and she starts yelling out the window, fire, fire, little four-year-old, fire, fire. And I'm like, yeah, I'm calling, just wait, wait for me. But she takes the, takes the game to a different level. So let me explain. Outside the window was basically 17 stories and just ground. And uh, what we had outside the window was, I don't know, I don't know what, to, what the technical word is, but you know those, it's like a, a flower trough or something like that, where basically kind of hangs. And it, it was, it was, it's bricks and bricks in the middle is dirt and, and plants and flowers to make it look nicer. I don't know, girl things. And, and uh, so my sister decides to climb out the window and puts her four-year-old body completely inside of that little flower pot thing hanging. And she goes, crawls up. She's, she's on all fours. And she's looking over the side, just like I am over the side. And she starts yelling, fire, 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 fire. And I'm in the back of the room near the door looking at her. I'm like, this is awesome. You go, Jenna. Hold on. I'm coming for you. All right? Now, the obvious question is, where are the parents? Right? I'm, 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 so, so the way our, our apartment was set up is like a, here, here are the bedrooms, and then here's a kitchen. So it's kind of like an L shape. So mom's in the kitchen doing what mom's doing in kitchens. I don't know. And, and she feels like this inclination to look out the window. She goes to the window, and she's like, yeah, nothing. Looks up, nothing. Looks in front, right across, and you can see my sister hanging off the, the window, yelling fire. She takes off running like a madman. She turns the corner, and the Holy Spirit just gets a hold of my mom and says, Karen, stop. Go in slowly. Do not scare her. Be calm. And so this is the image I have in my head. My mom just bolts, turns a corner. Hey, guys. 
how are you? You're playing? Fireman, my favorite, right? I don't know what she said. But I do remember she came to me, like, grabs my hair. Oh, I love you, Taylor. You are my favorite son. You are so in trouble. Wait till I get my Jenna. I love you. Come here, my, come here, little baby. I love you. I love you. What are you doing? Why? Why would you do this? Right? And so I'm standing there like, what is wrong with you? Why, why are you so alarmed? We're just playing. You see, it, uh, I wasn't trying to be bad. I was trying to play. We're having fun, Mom. Chill. Relax, Mom. What's the big deal? You see, as a, as a, as a little boy and, and little girl, we, we didn't understand all that was implied in what we were doing, right? We didn't know what happens to a four-year-old body if it falls 17 stories. We, 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 we didn't get the, the sense of danger that my mom obviously knew that that could have been the end of her little girl's life. We didn't feel danger. We didn't know danger. We didn't know any better. You see, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Lean not on your own understanding. Instead, trust in the Lord. And according to my understanding as a five-year-old kid, I was fine, but my mom's understanding was much greater than my understanding, and she knew that we weren't fine. So understanding is a very curious thing because it's a perspective thing, right? I can stand here, uh, face, uh, give, give my profile to the camera, but I can look ahead and say, hey, Lance, how many eyes do you see? And Lance is going to go, obvious, Taylor, I see two eyes. I can ask the camera, and, and, and the campus says, hey, uh, how many eyes do you see? And, and you guys are going to go, Taylor, I, I, all I see is, is one eye. I can, I can tell the people behind me, hey, how many eyes do you see? And you guys will go, uh, Taylor, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't see any eyes. I just see a bald head. You're balding. You know that right here? Yeah? yeah. I go, thank you, thank you. But the question is this. Of everybody who I asked, those three different perspectives, who was wrong? According to what you saw, you saw correctly. You didn't see wrong. It's just what you saw was limited to the point of view that you had, right? Perspective is very limited. We only see in one dimension. We don't see the 360 at the same time. That's why in Proverbs it says... Do not lean on your own understanding. Instead, trust in the Lord. God is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He knows. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's not limited to our view. He has the full view. So, I, yeah. And, and, and going back to Solomon, this is where I think things get kind of, kind of crazy because Obviously, the, the scientists say we use only 10% of our brain, whatever. Um, obviously, Solomon had more capacity, more brain power than we do. But if, if the wisest man to ever live on earth screwed up and God had to intervene and take his kingdom away, what makes me think that I can do it on my own? What, makes, what, what gives me 
the precedent that things are going to be all right if I lean on my own understanding. So I come to this conclusion. It's very simple. I cannot lean on my own understanding. So I'm trying to figure out now, so, so where does Solomon screw up, right? That's, that's the question right here. Okay, where, where do things go wrong? Where do things go haywire? And it's interesting because verse 33 of, of, of 1 Kings 11 kind of tells us what started to happen. And you can read it between the lines. And I want to go there with you guys right here. So it's 1 Kings 11, verse 33. It says, for Solomon has abandoned me and worship, and it mentions three different gods, Ashtoreth, uh, goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, god of Moab, Molech, god of the, of the Ammonites. He has not followed my ways and done what is pleasing in my sight. He has not obeyed my decrees and regulations as David, his father, did. Now I'm reading this and I'm going, uh-huh, yeah, of course, that's obvious. If you do not obey, you're not, I mean, if you don't follow the rules, you're done for it. Duh, right, right, right? But then I, 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 I get hung up on this last sentence. And the last sentence says this, and I'll read it again. He has not obeyed my decrees and regulations as my father did, as his father did. And I'm like, ah, it's kind of short circuiting here. And I read it again. He, he has not obeyed my decrees and regulations as David, his father did. And practically kind of just threw my Bible and go, I, I object here, God. <laughs> I cry foul. I know David. I know what he did. He pretty much seduced a girl, knocked her up, and killed her husband. What the heck? He did not obey the decrees. He wasn't legit. He messed up and really, really, really bad. So, God, what, what, you're saying you're kind of contradicting yourself, right? That's what we want to say, right? Yeah, God, you, you're playing with me here. You're saying, you're saying that David did and, and he was legit, but Solomon didn't? God, what's the, what's the catch? Because if it's a law thing, David should have been dead a long time ago. He wasn't worthy of receiving the, the, the credit that he's getting right here. So, 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 so here's where we see an instance of, of, of extreme amazing grace. We see a grace given to David that was just so amazing that he was credited for something he could never do on his own strength. Amen. In fact, uh, if you read it, it's in, uh, I believe it's 1 Samuel 12 or 2 Samuel 12. Uh, it's the whole story of, of, of David and Bathsheba. And it's just very interesting. When he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, he's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> It's funny because I'm, I'm trying to think of, so, so, so what was it that, like, wh why did David make it? And, and if you read the end of his life, uh, it, it talks about it in Acts, in Acts 13, verse 36. It says that, I love this. It says that David served his generation, fulfilling the purpose for which he was created and then died. Basically, he had a good ending to his life. I don't know how many here want to uh, get to heaven and hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Amen? And we see that David had that. So 
he got his act together at the end, I, I guess. And but right before that, in, in Acts 13, I think it's verse 22, it says, uh, "I love this." It says that David was a man conformed to God's heart. And upon further review, you, you see that that's the only person in the Bible that God says that about. David, a man conformed to God's own heart. And I'm like, this is amazing. There's something here. There's something special here. What's going on? And I believe this. I believe David knew that the heart was what mattered most. And actually believed that it was a heart conformed to God that got him through the rough patches and let God's grace flow upon his life. In fact, the reason I think I, I, I really believe it and I think it is because if you see in, in 1 Chronicles, in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 19, check it out. It's amazing. It's the end of his life. And it's passing the baton to his son Solomon, a huge royal ceremony. Imagine like uh, uh, Prince of Wales and, and royalty and dignitaries and celebrities. Everywhere is, is come to see this massive thing, sacrifices given to God. And, and David does a prayer among the blessings for God, a prayer for Solomon. And he prays one of the craziest things I could, I could ever know. He goes, he goes, Lord... Give Solomon a whole heart for you. You see, I'm a dad, and and many here are parents as well. And if I'm praying for my kids, I'm praying, God, give them safety. God, and if I'm praying for Solomon, God, uh, help my son Solomon have peace in his kingdom. Give him wealth, Lord. Give him him a a, a financial stability. Lord, give him this, give him that. But I'm not going to pray for God, give him a heart for you. It just shows me that David knew something, that the heart was the key factor in having a good life. It shows me that David had a clue that, hey, I'm not that good, but a heart for God is kind of, course corrected me throughout my whole life. Now the question that's interesting is what went wrong with Solomon then? (laughs) Right? Because obviously he started good and he had a heart for for God at the beginning but that verse 33 kind of tells us that he started serving other gods. And let me give you a little little, little back um, context to this. It's, It's crazy. But um the Bible says that King Solomon had for himself 700 wives. Dang. <laughs> 700 wives. And not, not just that, but he had for himself 300 concubines. Now, I don't know if you know what concubine is. Concubine is an antiquated term for friends with benefits. I mean, you know? I mean, I mean it's just like... like so basically, he was in a deep relationship with over a thousand women. I look at that and go, that's not so smart, Solomon. I got one and I'm, I'm barely going at it. And I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got one. I got one. I'm doing it. Whew. But it's, it's, you know, it gets kind of iffy sometimes. But I got, I got it. I got this. He had a thousand. Now, the, 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 what's crazy about it is that but the Bible says that God decreed, do not marry somebody from different beliefs. 
But that's exactly what he did. He married all these girls from different kingdoms. And, and, and I can look at it, I, I can go, that's just dumb, Solomon. But I'm, I start reading more about it and understanding that actually, if it's human understanding that we're trying to evaluate here, he was super wise. Let me explain why. Most of those marriages, probably all of them, were kingdom marriages. It, it was political. It was this kingdom. We're neighbors. You know what? I, I, I have beef with you. We fought in the past. But how about I marry your daughter and I give you a bunch of money. And, and we just, that way we can assure that peace will be. It's like trade agreements, right? And so he's marrying and he's, what he's doing is he's, he's establishing peace. And trade within countries. And that's why he prospers so much. So human-wise, I'm like, oh, that's really smart, Solomon. Of course, there's kickback involved. But hey, it's, it's, a, it's a good reason. It's for the people. Right? But then it goes a little further because he married all these women. He has to please them. <laughs> and he has to um, hook them up. And so he builds a temple for each one of them according to their gods. And not just that, he has to go inaugurate it, you know? I mean, it's just, you got to go to the opening ceremony. He's like, cut the ribbon. And so I, I can't imagine the conversation with God. He's like, hey, God, I'll be right back. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to go right there. You know, I built this right for peace. You know, it's legit. I did it. I did it because I had to, Lord. <laughs> I'm unfaithful because I had to. <laughs> right? And, and he goes, and God... God, I, 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 you, you are my, you are my first. You are my, my, you are my heart. You have it, Lord. Don't, don't be so insecure. <laughs> you know, God. I just, it's business, right? What, what is idolatry? It's basically going out with someone else when you're married to another girl. Basically sneaking around and giving your heart to different people. And exactly what David, his father, prayed for, God, give him a whole heart for you. He started piecing his heart out to different gods and giving it out to different things. All, all good reasons, all in human understanding, super wise, super legit. It's business, man. But you know what? God had to intervene because... Solomon had given his heart away to different people, different businesses, different countries, different religion. His heart was no longer for God. It was for the business. So here's where I'm kind of freaked out, all right? <laughs> if Solomon, the wisest man on earth, couldn't hack it, what makes us think we can? You see, you see wisdom is flawed, Without the Lord. <laughs> without, I mean, you, you, you can be wise. You can be the smartest man on earth. But if God's not in the mix, then it's not enough. Because our understanding is limited. Say limited. We are limited. We're human and finite beings. God sees the whole picture. But wisdom is not bad. It's just God has to be before wisdom. 
And if our hearts are for God, you can be, you can be the most foolish person, but if your heart is for God, I bet you all the money you want, you'll be placed in the right situations and you'll say the right things because your heart is a heart for God. Amen. And that's why I believe David had a good end to his life because maybe he wasn't the smartest man, but he was placed in the right situations because his heart was always to God and God would course correct his heart, his life, and gave him a good ending. So if we've established this, that, that it's a heart that matters and not so much wisdom, Okay, okay. So then how did David get a heart for God, right? That's the question now. That's, that's a new question. So, so how, if David could do it, how can I do it, right? It's fascinating because I really believe that the heart is actually, it, 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 it's the first thing that goes in our lives against God. And it's actually, it, it'll backfire on us. And if, 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 if God is not involved in our heart, if the Holy Spirit doesn't have a hold of our heart, we're kind of going, if we follow our heart, we're dumb, <laughs> Because the Bible says don't follow your heart. So there's definitely God's presence involved that is steering our heart the whole time that gives us a heart conformed to God. And it's fascinating because I found this. I was looking, God, what does this mean? How did David do it? And I found this, and I want to read it with you guys, in 1 Samuel. Chapter 16, verse 13. It's David. He's a teenager. Basically, um kind of shunned by his family. He's a redhead. There are no other redheads in the family. You um, connect the dots. <laughs> and uh, Samuel, the big prophet, the big man in town, came to anoint a new king at their house. And, and David wasn't invited to the party, even though he was a son. And Samuel goes, uh, hey, Jesse, to the dad, is, is there another son you have? Because this is not really aligning up with what God told me. And Jesse goes, yeah, I got a son. He's, just, he's a redhead. You know what I mean? Connect the dots. And, and um, he's kind of dishonor, but bring him over here. All right, whatever. So embarrassing. And, and so David steps up. Teenager, little kid, probably really scrawny, you know. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. So David, as soon as he stood there among his brothers... Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully. Say powerfully. Come on, say powerfully. There we go. Powerfully upon David from that day on. You know what? I love the fact that it says from that day on. So you know what I gather here? It's, it's not David... A super good aim with a slingshot killing Goliath. No, it's David full of the Holy Spirit killing Goliath. You know, it's a huge, massive difference. And we tend to focus on the, the, the greatness of David and what he accomplished and he's such a great warrior. But you know what? I'm more fascinated now with the heart that God conformed in him than the actions God did through him. I am more fascinated with the heart that God gave him than the amazing things he could do through him. And it's the Holy Spirit that is the key. Now, I had someone ask me a while back, but Taylor, I, I, 
this is way before Pentecost and uh, where the Holy Spirit descended on the 120. How is this possible that it's the Holy, it's, it's obviously, and I said, I said, that's a great question, dude. And in the Old Testament, God would select few people here and there, men and women, to do his will and his purpose, and the Holy Spirit would descend on them to fulfill that purpose and will. You see it on Abraham, you see it on Moses, even on Samson, you see it on all kinds of different men and women of God, that it's the Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit on them. Even the New Testament version of that is Jesus. <laughs> he goes to his cousin, he's 30 years old, he goes, hey John, it's time to get baptized. John baptizes him. What happens? You remember the story? It's like a, like a dove kind of like thing descending from heaven upon Jesus and a voice from heaven saying, this is my son and who I am well pleased. What happened there? It was the Holy Spirit powerfully descending upon Jesus. And then the miracle started. You see, Jesus never made a miracle as God. He made a miracle. All his miracles were as a human being full of the Holy Spirit. That's a massive difference you got to get a hold of. And when you understand that, this, this, this folklore is funny. Uh, like I think it's Catholic folklore, and it's it's very it's, it's not so public, but they, they, some people believe that Jesus, as a kid, would grab a bird and go, "Oh, little bird," and kind of kind of would heal it, and it would fly again. And no, 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 the Bible is clear. Jesus' first miracle was when the water to wine, the wedding feast. Now, if that wasn't his first miracle then the first miracle would be the first miracle. And then that first miracle would be the first miracle because the first miracle would be the first miracle, right? It's pretty simple <laughs> if you follow me there. <laughs> so the first miracle he did was Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. That was way before the cross and the resurrection. That was way before the Pentecost. It was the Holy Spirit on him. So I'm seeing this now and I'm, I'm, I'm flipping out. I don't know about you guys. I'm tripping out. I'm going, this is amazing. So it's the Holy Spirit that conforms our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you power to align your life according to God's will. And see, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in an amazing way in John 14, verse 16. Oh, I love this. It says, the Holy Spirit who I'm sending is the advocate. Basically, it's your defense lawyer. The Holy Spirit is your advocate and he will be with you forever. Say forever. It's the Holy Spirit that's with us, that defends us, that will be with us forever. Then you go a little further in John 14, verse 26. It says, he, the Holy Spirit, he is the helper. And he will not only teach you what you have not learned, but he'll help you remember, he'll remind us of that which we have learned in the past. I don't know about you guys, but I was, I was uh, amazing in school. Amazing in cheating, right? <laughs> not in studying. I wasn't very good at studying. So I, had, I was a C student, and uh, uh, pop, pop exam was my worst nightmare. And I remember being like sitting there and going, oh, Lord, please give me the answer. Oh, thank you for the answer, God. <laughs> See? Oh, ah, yes. Lord, you're so faithful. Remember those days, right? That was yesterday. No, no, no. Uh, and that, don't follow my example, but I think of that as my reference point that there's sometimes in life where I'm, I'm stumped. I have no answer. I, 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 
I know I'm supposed to act a certain way, but I can't figure out the way I'm supposed to act. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, teach me or, or, or help me remember because I am lost. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to help us, to teach us and bring to remembrance that which we have learned. Amen. I don't know how people live without the Holy Spirit. Further on, oh man, I love this. I want to read this with you guys. In uh, Romans, this is is probably one of my favorite verses. Romans 8. It's a beautiful passage that really shows what's going on in the spirit world. Romans 8, verse 29, 26. Um, It says this, ah, Romans 8, 26. It's awesome. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Amen for that. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts, say all hearts. It's interesting, a heart thing. He knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, us the believers, in harmony with God's own will. And we know this, that God causes everything to work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Amen. You know, this this gives me so much comfort, so much comfort, because there's so many situations in life where I am stumped. I'm at a dead end. I don't know what the answer is. Have you, have, you, have you ever been in a situation where you don't know what to pray anymore? Like you've, you've actually prayed the dictionary and you're out of resources and then you start repeating your prayer again. It's like, I don't want to repeat my prayer. I'm, I'm done. But you feel like you have to pray more because it's not, there's no peace involved yet. There's a thing my dad says all the time. He says, we have to learn to pray until. Pray in until. You're released. Stop praying. And um, sometimes I've, I've prayed everything, and I don't, I don't have anything else to pray. And what this is helps me is that if I start praying in the Spirit, the Spirit intercedes for us in a manner that we cannot pray for pray ourselves, and aligns our hearts with the perfect will of God. In the first service, I, I told this story. I wasn't going to, but um, just just to be a little little real with you guys. Um, at the end of last year, my wife and I were were pumped because we found out that she was pregnant. And now uh, we have we have two daughters, but we've been trying for a long time to have a a third child. And uh, we're so excited, and we found out two weeks into the pregnancy, it was very quick, and. Um, she noticed that she was kind of bleeding. It's not, it's not good, you know. And we went to the, to the gynecologist, and she's like, "No, no, no, go get a, go get an ultrasound." And we got an ultrasound, and and the baby was healthy, it was strong, but there's some bleeding. Okay, yeah, no worries. Just take some medicine. You'll be, you'll be good. And so, um, in that, in 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 the the days ahead, she was bed rested, and I was carrying the brunt of the family, and and working full time, and she was in bed rest, and that's kind of a thing in itself, and. And um, taking pills like crazy. And uh, the 11th time 
in the 11th week, we'd already gone to five ultrasounds. We're going to another ultrasound to see how she was. She's feeling good finally. And we took our two daughters. They were in there with us, and I was filming. She was all there kind of compromised. between the doctors kind of weird. That's a whole different thing. But, uh, and I was filming. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I want to film this. And my four-year-old starts saying, Daddy, Daddy, I don't hear the the heart. It's a heartbeat. I don't hear that sound. Daddy, what's going on? I was like, ah, oh, no, I kind of shut her up. Don't worry. Be quiet. He hasn't got there yet, and I'm still filming. And I hadn't noticed that my wife was crying. And then uh, the doctor kind of just in- interrupts my, my cinematography. <laughs> and he says, um, there's no heartbeat. I put my camera down. And uh, I knew what happened. My wife's in just bawling at this point, trying to control it, but can't, can't get up yet. He goes to show us different things, that this and that, and the baby's dead. And I'm looking at my two girls. They're kind of like, what's going on? And I'm trying to just counsel them. And like, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. And my wife gets up, goes to the bathroom before I can hug her, and I am a mess inside. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. 11 weeks is pretty advanced. And it's like, man, this is rough. And explain to me, doctor. And, and in my heart, I was really just up in arms with God. Like, God, I don't get it. What's going on? Why does this have to happen? I am a pastor. I'm a professional Christian, for crying out loud. <laughs> I've given my life to you. Why? So anyways, let's start praying, praying a little bit. My wife comes out. I hug her. We got to the car. And we explained to our girls, hey, Good face on, right? Inside, I'm, I'm dead. Outside, I'm like, hey, girls, your brother is in heaven. I'm smiling, but inside, I'm crying. Two weeks later, uh, there's a, a couple in the church that had twins. And the, the, these two twins, Joaquin and Facundo, they, uh, they come out prematurely at six and a half months. And uh, they were very frail, but the doctor said they're healthy. We all celebrated in our staff prayer chat room, and, and we're just, oh, this is awesome. Uh, a few days later, we hear the news that one of them had died. And honestly, there I'm like, no way. So they have the funeral, the burial, and while the parents are at the burial, the other baby in the incubator passed away as well. So I'm just, right here, I'm losing it, right? And um, our whole staff was very invested in prayer. And, and I mean, that was a big deal. And we're shook up like crazy. And, and I'm, I'm starting to holler at God. Like, God, what's up? They're good people. What the heck? Not one, but two? Are you a good God for real? And in my heart, I know he's a good God. But I'm, I'm wrestling with this. And I'm like, God, what's the, what's the matter here? And... Then I see that Sunday night, that same night, that that couple was in church. And I see them worshiping God, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, if they're good, I, I got to be good. So I put my game face on, right? Two weeks after that, not, not, even, not even exaggerated this, some, a couple in church, young couple, friends, super faithful, amazing, did everything right, she is pregnant, the biggest, beautiful belly in the world, and the baby uh, is healthy. The, 
the whole um, birth procedure is is comes out yelling and it's like, yeah, this is awesome. She sees the baby and he does too. And they take him to the table. And uh, all of a sudden they explained this, that all the doctors started going crazy inside. Like panicky. And what happened is one of the nurses uh, forgot to take all the liquid out of the nose and the mouth. And the baby drowned. Negligence. Right? There's just some things that I'm like, this is not, this is not good, God. I mean, what's, what's going on? What is happening, Lord? What are you doing here? Why aren't you here? Where are you, God? Can't you do miracles? We're all good people. <laughs> Because in life, life we're faced with things that don't make sense sometimes. And I'm faced with this. And I'm like, this does not make sense. So this message kind of comes out of that moment for me. It was really dark. Because according to my own understanding, God was failing me. According to my own perspective, God wasn't a good God. But I'm looking at this. And the Holy Spirit starts knocking on me, you know, very, hey, I'm here. I love you. Don't run. I got you. And I'm, I'm conflicted with that. I'm like, yeah, sure, God, what, whatever. <laughs> and then he starts showing me some things in Scripture, not even me reading it, because I, I, I don't want to read the Bible. But just like, like I read earlier, the Spirit brings to remembrance that which you have learned and these verses start coming up and it's, okay, he is the helper. He is our defender. He's with us and, and, um, and he, he, he will teach us and he'll, he'll remind us. And then I'll go to, and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will with groans that cannot be expressed with words. And so I stopped praying the dictionary and I just start praying in the Spirit. And honestly, like it says in, in Philippians 4, 7, a peace that surpasses all understanding started settling on my soul. Started settling in my heart. And I, I, can, can we be real? To this day, I do not understand why all that happened. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words but I'm okay. And, and, and I was talking about this in the back. You know what? I've come to terms with, we don't have to have everything in perspective. We don't have to understand everything. We have to have faith. We have to believe. We cannot lean on our own understanding. We have to trust in the Lord. Trust what? That he's a good God. That he has our best... <laughs> our best in his plans and his intentions, that he somehow, somewhere, will make all things that are going bad and turn them for good according to his purpose and his will. So being honest, I don't have my stuff together. 
And if I would be up here, I would be a hypocrite and a liar. I, I don't get why some things are happening. But what I can say is that I have hope. And so, so often we lean on our own understanding and things go wrong and we end up becoming cynical and, and calloused. And what hardens up is our hearts start hardening up and we start relying on our perspective. And, you know, the eye test doesn't work. So my, my prayer has changed a lot lately. It used to be, God, give me wisdom, <laughs> right? And wisdom is not bad. It's legit. It's, 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 it's what gets you there. But I, I've stopped praying, God, give me wisdom. And I've started praying, God, give me your heart. In fact, even to be a little more practical, I've started praying, God, what is your heart in this matter? So in... in in relationships with your spouse. God, what is your heart in this matter? Because sometimes you're in a fight, you're like, I don't know why we're fighting, right? That's <laughs> often. But I don't have to know why we're fighting. I have to know, okay, okay God, we're, we're fighting, but what's your heart in the matter? God, with my kids, they're going kind of crazy and they've been rebellious. God, what is your heart in the matter? God, my folks don't get it. What is your heart in the matter? God, my boss. God, my business. What is your heart in the matter? And I really believe this. If we start shifting our prayer to, to, to asking for God's heart in our situations, in our surroundings, God and his heart will totally replace our heart. And no matter where we're at, what we're in, God will make it make it his way. And his way is... The, is Truly, it sounds cliche, but it is the best way. And maybe we don't get it, but we don't have to get it. We can trust him. And like you guys, I want our lives to have a good ending. May God at the end of our lives say, Lance, a man conformed to my own heart. Nick, a man with God's own heart. May God at the end of our lives say, hey, you had a heart. You were blind in some places, but you trusted me. I led you through some really gnarly places and you could have given up because the eye test will tell you to run, but you stuck with it. Look where you are now. You have a heart for me and you serve the purpose for your generation. The reason I created you was fulfilled. Come here. Amen. That's good. So let's do this. Um, right there where you're at, uh, I want you to kind of engage with God. Engage with the Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is our portion. Um, he's there. You might even not even know it or realize it or feel it, but He's there. And uh, um, maybe you close your eyes, maybe you bow your head, however it is. Sometimes I pray with my eyes open. I get, I get less distracted, but I want you to follow me in prayer and pray for yourself that God will give us his heart in every situation. That through that, he'll guide us. And maybe if we have a hard heart, maybe he can, he can soften our heart. Maybe if we have a calloused heart, maybe he can remove the calluses away and make us sensitive again. And um, if, you wanna, if you want this in your life, 
I believe God will do it right now. I believe God will start changing you in a, in a, in a way that is ridiculous. And this is you. I want you to just kind of just join me in this prayer. I'll, I'll lead you and uh, we'll pray together. And God is good. Ready? Dear Father, we're here today and just simply in awe that you would uh, take our, our hurting hearts and our confused hearts and our limited hearts and, and really just give us your heart and, and, and conform us to that. And, and Lord, we can't on our own. We can't conform our hearts to you, but the Holy Spirit in us conforms us to you. So Holy Spirit, take control. We give you space. We give you room. We give you the steering wheel, Lord, so you can come in here and start doing something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, in, in every situation with my husband or my wife or my kids or my grandparents or my boss, Lord, give us the ability to understand and know your heart and, and act accordingly in those situations. God, thank you so much because you are faithful. Today we decide by faith to trust you in spite of. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.